Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Thanks for staying with us here on Money FM 89.3. Time now to take a close look at how the Straits Times Index has performed this week and what to look out for in the year ahead. To help us break it all down, we're joined on the line by the one and only Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. Jeff, how are you doing? Yeah, we're doing well, Rachel. How are you? How's your week been? I'm looking forward to a long weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think we all are. <laughs> Everyone across Asia. <laughs> Everyone across Asia, including the markets. They seem to be celebrating today with the SGI higher. Uh, just taking a quick look, up almost seven-tenths of a percent at 3,298 points. But what a week it has been. A bit of a roller coaster ride, huh, Jeff? Yeah, I think for, for Asia as a whole, that, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much because you had so many central banks from yeah. our neighbours in Malaysia in Indonesia right up to Japan. But this SDI, um, you know, it, it really kept its steed. It continued to consolidate uh, in a 1% trading range. Mm-hmm. So we had our high for the week on Monday at 33.09. And then we've had the low of the week today at 32.63. But we have got returned back to pretty close to that high yeah. uh, in, recent, in, the, in the recent hour or so. So but we are still well within those confines of the 33.40 high and the 32.12 low of the preceding two weeks. So not too much movement. But as you say, uh, mm. just be, you can't just look at the STI alone, given it is so diverse. And when you look across the span of 30 stocks, there was still an 8% differential between the strongest performer of the week, which was Jardine Matheson, and the least performer of the week, which was UOB. Oh, so who were the biggest movers this week? Who were adding to that volatility for that STI, Jeff? Yeah, funny, isn't it? Because uh, adding to the biggest movers for the mm. week were the REITs. Uh, mm. The actual REIT indices are up around 2.5% so far this week, while the STI is only up two-tenths of a percent. So leading the the, the REITs, uh, Prime US REIT, Manulife US Real Estate uh, Investment Trust. So you've got Prime, Manulife, Digital Core, REIT as well, mm. the top three performing. And then you have CDL Hospitalities Trust, you have Keppel DC REIT, Lendlease Global Commercial and Suntech REIT in there as well. And Suntech REIT's up some 2.2% today after it reported this morning, you saw that, Mm 3.4% year-on-year distributable income growth. Um, Interesting, you know, that's all strong, but you've got to also um, point out that uh, Suntech REIT had had increased its fixed interest rate borrowings and foreign currency income hedges, but the CEO did also point out that uh, this expected continuation of rising interest rates and weaker exchange rates, in addition to higher energy costs, uh, are expected to erode operational gains and impact distribution significantly if uh, if that continues. So, you know, always a good good time when these uh, earnings come out for the for the CEOs of the managers uh, of the REIT or the CEOs of the companies would point out the exact. Uh, drivers uh, for downside risk and potential upside as well uh, for the year ahead. So uh, I think one more point I just wanted to make up on on the REITs as well. Last night we had Maple Tree Logistics Trust Mm -hmm. report. It wasn't full year, it was a third quarter, but net property income was still up 7% year on year. And that was attributed to this pretty big theme that has really been a big part of our REIT hub over the last three years or so, uh, acquisitions. Mm. You know, Maple Tree Logistics Trust 
was able to post that income due to this, those accretive acquisitions that it had completed uh, in the first quarter of it, this current FY it's in, and then, of course, the last FY. And it's interesting there are other trends when it comes to looking at the REITs as well. I mean, sustainability is also a huge trend when it comes to the REITs, whether it's you know perhaps retrofitting some of their current buildings in line with upcoming regulations and you know the oh, greening yeah. of their overall portfolios and what that means for investors. There's so much to digest. Oh, totally. It's so important. We, we actually listed an ETF uh, in that theme, mm. uh, not last year, I think the year before last, yeah. the, the IAJ S rate Green ETF, APAC Green ETF, which uh, UOB Asset Manager Asset Management are, are, um, are running, and it's it's so it, it takes the REIT index, but it applies this environmental tilt, Rachel. So mm. it, you, your your index your um, index constituents. They emit uh, less energy. They consume less water. They emit less. Sorry, they use less energy. They use less water. They emit less GHG greenhouse gas emissions, and there's also a, a tilt uh, for the green building certs as well. So um, that's that. You, you're so right. That is an important yeah. theme because we all have a carbon footprint, right? And when you put us all in a building, a skyscraper, or a residential tower, or a shopping centre, you can imagine that carbon footprint does add up. That's right. It's all about the global real estate sustainability benchmarks as well, right? That's exactly Relevant. what it is. Yes, That's yes. It. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I kind of want to move away from REITs now and talk about, um, you know, with Singapore listed companies, they've, they're have they set to report their latest quarterly results in the coming weeks. And some analysts believe banks could deliver mm. solid earnings in the light of rising interest rates. Do you see banks delivering solid earnings as well? What are you expecting? Yeah, I think the market over does expect somewhat resilient earnings, Hongbin, mm. and that, that that helped the trio of banks last year. I think they averaged 13% total returns mm. in 2022. So the interest rates impact the net interest income, and net interest income makes up 65% of the trio's total income uh, at the moment. And mm. as we say, it's driven by these net interest margins, as well as the span and the scope of the loan book. So The net interest margins, largely determined, obviously, by the average rate that's paid on the liabilities of the bank versus the average rate they receive on their assets, Mm -hmm. Um, it it does increase when both US dollar rates and our Singapore uh, overnight rate uh, increases as well. So what's this seen is that, for instance, DBS's net interest margin increased from 1.43% back -hmm. in the third quarter of 2021 to 1.9% in the third quarter of last year. So that's 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 a pretty significant move and then yeah. just in November uh, the CEO of DBS he estimated that the net interest margin would be expected to reach around 2.25% by mm. mid this year if the Fed fund rates does peak at 4.75%. So that 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 is the general expectation and look these banks are an important cornerstone of our stock market, just as financial services are a really important part of the Singapore economy. The trio, DBS, OCBC and UOB, mm-hmm. they make up 47% of the STI. And how much is priced in, uh, how, how are portfolios are positioned and so forth, um, that remains to be seen. You know, it, it's pretty interesting that already in the last, uh, what we've We've had 13 sessions so far this year. Mm-hmm. You've had OCBC and DBS among the five stocks with the highest net fund inflows in Singapore, which is after DBS booked the highest net fund outflows and OCBC booked the eighth highest net fund outflows for the last two months of last year. 
Um, but you've got UOB, on the other hand, seeing the highest net fund outflows so far in the year to date after it actually booked the highest net fund inflows for the first two months of 2022. So what's this showing us is that market continues to watch the sector very closely over the past two weeks. Um, And look, as a whole, those two preceding years did see the trio of DBS, OCBC and UOB also booked something like $1.8 billion of net fund flows. So a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot remains to be seen, and it's it's getting closer and closer. Jeff, very quickly before we let you go, yep. time has flown by yet again. Uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of discussion about China's reopening and the impact that all that will have on various markets, commodities included. Um, SGX, you've got a number of commodities, derivatives, and yeah. products. Talk to us about uh, what your take is on uh, China's reopening and the impact that it will have on you know metals, agriculture, energy, the de- derivatives that you've got on the commodities front and what this means for retail investors and whether or not they can get exposure to this. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, from the energy perspective, mm-hmm. agriculture uh, and you say the metals, the, China is the largest consumer of commodities in the world. So China's growth does have a clear impact. Mm. Uh, I think one of the well-known benchmarks around the world is Brent crude oil. It's currently around $86.50 a barrel. That's still that's up uh, around $1.30 from the end of last week. And what's happened this week is a, we've, we've gone into this week with this Bloomberg poll showing that China's oil consumption is expected to jump by 800,000 barrels per day this year to a record 16 million barrels per day. So that coincides with OPEC's cautious optimism that the outlook for China demand is actually offsetting some of the recessionary concerns about developed economies. So there's pretty clear impact how it works with commodity products and commodity prices. But in terms of the products that are traded in Singapore, we have seen very strong growth in iron mm. ore trading. And that's on the back of this financialization of it, if you will. It means more screen trading, more after hours, T plus one activity, more financial clients participating in the market. And all that's contributed to record trading activity last year. And in fact, more and more of the global broader market, in fact, the world is actually looking to our iron ore commodity price as a macro proxy for Asia growth. And we did also see hedging interest in SGX's rubber benchmark as a result of the prices recovering Mm -hmm. from those two-year lows last year. We, we, We have these, I guess, two pillars of our commodity offering now that are kind of uh, these virtual offerings. If, if you can imagine a virtual steel mill that leverages on our iron ore into steel um, being this key ingredient for, um, for, for, for construction. And then the, the, the more recent one, the virtual car complex, where we have ferrous metal for the frame and the engine of the car. You have petrochemicals for the seats and the dashboards. And you have natural rubber for the tyres and energy metals for the batteries as well. So um, it's about, I guess... <laughs> having the full yeah. picture of commodities and enabling uh, all the different producers and consumers to hedge effectively. That's it. And Jeff, you know, I think we're going to take, need to take a deeper dive into this next Friday. What do you say? Yeah, look forward to it. Okay. I'll look forward to having a chat then. Wonderful. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hongbin. Thanks, Rachel. Have a wonderful weekend and happy Lunar New Year. Yeah, same to you and the listeners. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.